Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, it's a brand new Flyers Daily edition for Saturday, the 15th of October, Game 2. How about an afternoon game? In October, this is rare. The Vancouver Canucks come to town. How about Bruce Boudreaux? Mike Yo, an assistant coach, ran into uh, Yozy the other night in the press box, told him, said, dude, you just can't stay away. Back for the first game and a little bit of pre-scout for Vancouver, who lost their first game to the Edmonton Oilers by a score of 5-3. to three. Interesting enough, Vancouver last year was a team that really got off to a rough start, was really hit hard with, uh, I guess it was the Omicron variant, uh, and, and covid and just got too far behind. They brought in Bruce Boudreaux, kind of got the ship righted, but just ran out of runway to make a run for the playoffs. They re-signed JT Miller. They always got Quinn Hughes, great goaltender in Thatcher Demko. So game two is the Flyers look to follow up an opening night win, a 5-2 win over the New Jersey Devils, and they get the Vancouver Canucks today. We saw the Vancouver Canucks early last year as well. Uh, so we get them out of the way in Philadelphia uh, rather early. Four o'clock puck drop coming up today. So matinee hockey. Then the Flyers are going to head out on the road. Going to have the two in Florida. Going to visit Tampa and Florida to take on the Lightning and the Panthers. Then they'll go on the road as well on this three-game road trip to take on Nashville. And then they'll come home, take on San Jose, see the Panthers again at Wells Fargo. And then they'll wrap up the month taking on the Carolina Hurricanes. So tough schedule ahead. Big game today as the Flyers will take on the Vancouver Canucks. So for the past couple of days, I've been trying to get Chuck Fletcher on, trying to work out a time to get him on to talk about training camp, talk about roster decisions, Cam York, status of injuries, working with John Tortorella, and much more. And I'm happy to say that the Flyers general manager and president of hockey operations is our guest on this episode of Flyers Daily, and he joins us now. Chuck, how you doing? I'm doing well, Jason. How are you doing? Feels good to be underway, doesn't it? Feels great. Feels great. A good training camp, and I think everybody was anxious to get playing, playing real games, and great crowd last night, and great, great energy in the arena, and great energy in the city right now. So it's uh, it was a fun night. Uh, a training camp without a little bit of an agita, if you will, with so many guys kind of nicked up and banged up. What, what were your thoughts on the camp and how it kind of played out for you over the couple of weeks? Yeah, the camp was, you know, I think it was great. I mean, it, there was a lot of uh, conditioning and competition in the early part of camp, not a lot of focus on structure and specialty teams and systems. It was more about uh, pushing them, you know, mentally and physically like Torts likes to do and uh, high volume of skating. And then the last week or so, we've been getting more into the, the system. So I think as we move forward, we'll, you know, we'll start to get a little bit more cohesive in all three zones and get a little bit more practice time with the specialty teams. But it was a good camp. And, you know, going into camp, um, you know, Coots uh, had been shut down by that point. And, you know, Brown and Ellis, obviously, and, and Bobby Brink, we knew were not going to be available. But we got through camp mostly unscathed which is which is good a couple guys uh soreness here and there Bristolina being one of them um but you know for the most part of the, the camp went about as well as we could expect what is the latest update on Sean Couturier we I know you spoke the other day and you said that you know you guys are almost trying to slow him down he feels as good as he has since the surgery and obviously with the back coming off a of back surgery you have to be incredibly cautious, but what is the latest update on Sean Couturier and maybe a timeline for when he could return? Yeah, well, first of all, the timeline is still still up in the air. You know, at some point we'll progress in the contact, but he's skating uh, nearly every day, has a couple of days off here and there just to just to rest and recharge, uh, working hard 
uh, in the rehab portion feels great. Um, you know, skating hard, shooting pucks, doing all that. So, you know, the hockey conditioning element of it is, is going well. And, you know, at some point, um, you know, the medical team will, will progress some to contact. And then from there, it, you know, we can probably have a better timeline, but I'm still hoping sometime in November all going well. Uh, but you know, it's a, you know, it's a difficult, uh, difficult injury. It was a tough surgery last year and, and a lot of players have come back from this and we expect Sean to do that. But, you know, there's always a little bit of caution when you're dealing with the back. Speaking of dealing with the back, you know, you, you get that news over the summer. I remember you alluded to it, like a punch in the gut, essentially when Joel Farabee's got to have the neck surgery and the timeline for him, Chuck was, you know, not this early. I think it was Thanksgiving initially, but he really worked his butt off to get back. He makes the opener. Talk about the healing power of a young man. <laughs> yeah, no, it's incredible. Um, you know, the doctor was felt that in three months post-surgery, he would be medically cleared. Uh, but from there, you know, you're not going to do a lot of contact, obviously, during those three months. You're not going to do any. So uh, after three months, we knew he was fine uh, medically. It just became a point of the conditioning and introducing contact and uh, but he's been skating really since um, mid-August. So the great thing with him was when he came into camp, even though he wasn't getting contact right away, he was participating in the drills. Um, he was in good hockey shape. Uh, he was able to handle the puck and shoot the puck. And and so it, really the only hurdle we had was contact, and he handled that very well. And, you know, I thought last night he, he played pretty well. It, it, it's his first game. He didn't get any games in training camp. Um you know, he was a little bit rusty, and I think he admitted that. I thought by the third period he was playing a lot better, and and I think you'll see a, a pretty quick ascent here as he gets his uh, timing back and gets used to playing in NHL games. Chuck, you've been through it many years as a general manager. You know those decisions at the end of a training camp on the roster. You know making the roster out of camp is one thing; sticking and staying is another. But were the decisions that you had to face this year? more pronounced or more difficult than maybe in past years in your experience uh, in your tenure throughout different organizations in the NHL? Uh, you know, it almost became easy by the end. I think certain players played, played well and um, earned the right, whether it was Wade Allison or Tanner Lazinski, Igor Zamula, you know, quietly had a very good camp and, and those players made it pretty easy um, to make that decision. But we also know, uh, you know, Torch has spoken about this a lot, that it, it's going to be a, uh, you know, there's going to be a continued evaluation process here through the first couple of months of the season. And I think there'll be players going up and down quite often. And, and uh, you know, maybe somebody up here needs to get a little bit more ice time. So you send them down or someone's playing well down below. And there's certainly players we've sent to Lehigh that we expect to be a part of it in, you know, I don't know the near future, but certainly sometime this year. Uh, and be big parts of our future going forward. You know, whether that's Cam York or Tyson Forster and, um, you know, Ronnie Adder, we just sent down. So, you know, those kids are going to have a bright future, but right now they need to be getting big minutes in Lehigh. Yeah, I know Cam York, that decision was a tough one and probably a tough one for Cam, but how incumbent is it now upon the player to go down there, push the envelope there? And it, you don't want to say you want to prove people wrong, but you want to prove people wrong and say, I, I need to be up here because this is where I belong and I belong to stay here. How tough was that with Cam York uh, just from an evaluation standpoint and then a communication standpoint? Well, the, the evaluation standpoint, I mean, look, Cam is um, a 
I've said this a few times. I mean, his skill set is is exactly what we need going forward. Uh, but yet he's 21, and I know he's had 30 odd games in the NHL. Uh, particularly played a lot at the end of last season when we were a little shorthanded. But it, it's not unusual for a 21 year old defenseman to be playing in the American League. It's actually the norm, uh, with a few exceptions. Guys like Makar and players like that can jump in pretty quickly. But even a player like Travis Sanheim. Uh, played a lot of the, a lot of the second season in the American Hockey League, and he was drafted in a, in a pretty similar position to Cam. So, you know, Cam, um, he took it in stride. He's a very mature kid. I mean, he he um, you know he wants to be here. There's no doubt about it. But I think he recognizes that uh, you know being a top pairing defenseman in the American League and playing in every situation is not going to hurt him. And uh, the other night, uh, we had a preseason game down there, and he had a couple assists. He played well, uh, was moving the puck well in the power play. So there there haven't been any issues at all. He's embraced it. He's got a smile on his face. And, you know, he'll work his way back here, and, and he's going to be a big part of our future. So I think we're just trying to take a longer-term view with him. And uh, in comparison to a guy like Zamula, Zamula's already played two years in the American League. And, you know, I think at this point, we want to see what he can do up here. And, you know, if, if – if it was reversed and Cam had played two years and Zamula won, then it may have been the other way. But, but um, you know, I think this is the right decision for both of them right now. Igor is sneaky funny, isn't he? He's got a sneaky personality, doesn't he? He does. He does. <laughs> and uh, having Provorov around has been great for him. Provorov's really oh, yeah. taken, taken him under his wing and, and uh, they're, they're inseparable at the rink, but, but Z's got a smile and I thought he had uh, a really efficient game last night played well and, sure. and he'll only get more comfortable here as we, as we go on. You just alluded to Travis Sanheim and kind of his path and you just extend him. Uh, he gets the eight year contract, 6.25 AAV. So he is basically under contract for the next nine years as a Philadelphia flyer. Did the deal come together pretty quick uh, with his agent and something you wanted to get done before puck drop on the season to avoid any kind of distraction heading into the final year of his contract up against UFA status? That was the goal. I think um, right from the start, you know, Travis made it known to us that he wanted to be here, wanted to wanted to be a flyer, loves the city of Philadelphia, you know, drafted by the flyers, developed here and wants to be part of the solution. And and uh, when we looked at it, once Mackenzie Weger signed uh, last week, in our opinion, Travis would have been the top uh, unrestricted defenseman on the market and he would have been a 27 year old UFA next summer. And uh, he was going to be well paid and, and very heavily pursued. Um, uh, we know that for a fact. So uh, to us, it was important to try to get it done before the season to clear his head, let him focus on hockey. And and uh, we, we worked hard over the last few weeks to, to, to conclude it. And I'm sure he gets that peace of mind and, and the term and everything that goes with it. And he's really worked his rear end off to get here. Let me ask you about, you know, training camp with torts. Uh, your first experience working with him so closely. And I, I've found towards, you know, we hear about the fire and the brimstone and that will happen at times, but I found him to be an incredibly laid back guy in a lot of scenarios that maybe people wouldn't thought. They th- I think they think he walks around and goes crazy all the time, but he doesn't. He's a pretty laid back guy. Yeah, he, he is. He, well, he's got to save some energy for when he does go off. Yeah. He's got pace to himself. He's got to pace himself, but no, it, it's been great working with him. He's, um, what you see publicly is the way he is privately. Like he's very passionate. Um, he has strong opinions, but yet he's a great listener. He really relies on his staff. He gives his assistant coaches a lot of leeway to run drills and come up with ideas. Uh, 
you know, he, in the evaluation process, there was a lot of give and take and good conversation and, and he listens and, you know, when he's firm on something, he lets you know, but he, he's, he's the first to admit. And, and he said it right from the first day of camp that I don't know these players as well as you guys. I want to form my own opinion, but I'll lean on you when I need to. And, and uh, so we, it's been a great uh, partnership and, uh, you know, it's a very close knit staff right now. So we're, we're pretty excited about that. The communication's great. And, and uh, you know, he's, he's, he's great publicly. He's great with the media. Um, he's honest, he's direct. I think the fans love that. And, and uh, I think they get a lot of information from him about what's going on. And, and I think that's important for the fans and for the players and for everybody. Yeah, I agree. There's no gray areas when it comes to torts, and that's important when the task at hand is to win in a very difficult league to win in. Let me ask you about Tyson Forster because he had a pretty impressive camp, and obviously you're missing Atkinson right now. I'm not sure of the timeline on Cam, and then you have Owen Tippett go down. Uh, First of all, an update on Tip, and could Tyson Forster be a guy to fill that void? Because you don't want him to come in and play fourth-line minutes. It's not his game. Uh, but could he be an opportunity for him to come up and maybe fill that role if Tip's going to be out for a bit? Uh, I don't think so. I, I mean, I love Tyson Forster, mm-hmm. uh, but we we want him, uh, you know, developing in the American League and s- similar arguments as with uh, Cam York. And you know, Tyson's twenty; he missed a lot of hockey last year, and and instead of force feeding him up here, um, he's got a skill set, and I, I know he could come up and make a few plays and shoot the puck, but. Uh, he's playing very well right now in Lehigh. He scored a couple goals in, in the two games he played, and he's got a, a big role. I think he's going to be on the top line down there, the top power plays. So I, I think having success at that level and uh, producing offensively will be a very important stepping stone for him. You know, as for Tip, he, you know, he has an upper body injury. Um, I don't expect him to play the next two, three games. Um, you know, so I, I don't think it's long term, but certainly, um, you know, he's going to miss a few days here for sure. Yeah. In regards to Forster, he's where he's supposed to be right now. And I think that's important. Um, let me, one of the guys I've talked about quite a bit, Chuck on the podcast lately. And when I kind of did my predictions for, you know, the season end of season awards, I got a lot of time to fill as you can say. Um, (laughs) but one of the guys I said that is a paramount importance at this point in his career and with, you know, moving on from the Giroux era and that that void that comes from a leadership standpoint, and he's been a leader at every other level, is Travis Konechny. I loved his first game because I thought he was just all over it, involved in every shift. He wasn't perfect, scores two goals, and that's great, but I thought he was an impact player in that game. And I, I think grabbing a little bit of the leadership can really invest him a little bit more. What are your thoughts on Konechny heading into this season? Because I thought he did a good camp, even though we didn't see him in a lot of preseason action. Yeah, well, I, you know, Konechny and even Provorov and Carter Hart last night, those three guys I thought were mm. our best players. And Tony D'Angelo just nipping at their heels. Uh, um, those four guys played great last night. But but they're it's exciting and, and with, with all of them, with Travis, with, with uh, Ivan, and with Carter Hart, because they're at that age, 24 and 25, where, you know, they're young, but they've been here a while, and they're the next wave. I mean, that's those are your – That's core. That, that's your core. Those are yep. the leaders, whether they wear letters or not. You know, in Carter's case, I don't think he'd wear a letter, but he's a leader now. And uh, they've all embraced it. And uh, Carter's had a great camp, just competing. Uh, I've never seen him work so hard in practice. He's, you know, he's got a smile on his face. And he played great last night, despite not playing a preseason game. And But Konechny, uh, 
right from the first day of camp, he's been taking charge. Um, great shape, like always, probably top three, one of the top three conditioned players with the two Cates boys in camp. And, and uh, just, um, you know, it was, was great. It was great last night. And again, not perfect. He probably could have scored five. He had a couple of great looks that yeah. he tried to dish off on, but he showed his shot, a couple of great goals, um, good deception, lots of energy and effort in the scrums. And uh, that's vintage Travis connecting. That's when he's playing like that, you, you know, he's on top of his game. Yeah, that's Travis connecting heading into pre-bubble life and pre-pandemic. It, it really looked like that to me. Um, you know, Carter, Konechny, Provorov, these are all players that are, at this point, Chuck, are very much more settled in their life. How much of that is an impact on what they bring to the rink every day? I, I, I really I, sense that with Konechny a lot. With Konechny a lot, and even with Carter. Um, yeah, I'd really, yep. You well know, said. COVID, um, I hate to keep bringing it up, but a, a young man like Carter lives by himself and COVID was hard on him. He really struggled uh, like a lot of people did in life. Um, you know, there was a lot of isolation. You couldn't see your family and friends. You're, you're living by yourself. And I think for all these guys, just getting back to a normal routine and uh, being able to integrate more in, in, in everyday life and get out and do things. And everybody's in a much better place. But they're also at that age, 24 and 25, where they know they're they're uh, they're all well paid. They're they're big parts of of this team. They've been drafted and developed by this team, and 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 they're ready. And uh, they're you know if 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 we're able to do what we hope to do this year, they're going to be a big part of it. There, there's a big sense with those three guys too of being very heavily invested in all aspects. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Provorov last night, ten blocks, <laughs> 10, 10 blocks, and a lot of hits and. But great retrievals. He moved the puck so well. He moved it quickly. Um, you know, got a couple of assists. But I thought he was a pretty dominant player. I thought he and Tony played very well. And and uh, but you know, they're 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 very invested and they're very competitive uh, people. You know, I was that was a big question mark for me was the top pairing. How those two, you know, would develop chemistry. They played minimally in preseason action. Only the one game, and it was a little rough, as Torts alluded to. Uh, but really jumped out off the page last night and both end up with two points on that top pair. Um, let me ask you about your goaltending situation overall. Obviously, we know what happened with Ivan Fedotov. What an unfortunate situation for the young man. Uh, but you come into camp and you have a guy who was drafted back in 2015 and Felix Anstrom, he's dealing with the, the groin right now. And, and that's something that's always tenuous with a goaltender. But boy, did Sam Erson really knock the door down. And Chuck, I got to say, I was so impressed with I mean, his technical aspects are there, and he fought off some injuries over the past couple of years as well. But the cool demeanor in which he approaches the game, you know, I talked to him, he, t he cited Carey Price, he cited Carter as another guy, very calm under pressure. And that's rare for a goalie that's 23 years of age and doesn't have a lot of experience in North America. No, it, it is, but he's, you nailed it. He's very competitive, um, very strong mentally. You know, he went through an awful lot last year had a lingering injury that, um, you know, lingered even into the summer and he's had to do a lot of rehab to get back and missed a lot of time. I think he only played six, seven games last year. So even just notwithstanding the injury, even just the lack of playing time from a developmental uh, standpoint was worrisome. And, you know, that was our goal was to have Fedotov, Sandstrom and, and Grosnick have those three guys battling it out for the backup and, and maybe even be in the goaltenders in the American League. And we we, we thought that Urson might even have to start in the, in the ECHL because of all the time he missed and just to get reps. And here he is uh, backing up in the NHL. So 
It certainly helped with the, uh, in terms of the Fedotov situation, having Urson emerge the way he has. And and yet I think we have to be realistic that at some point here, he's going to have to get some games and yeah. uh, being a backup and playing whatever you play as a backup after only playing six games last year, uh, I don't think would be the right play for him or for us long-term. So at some point we'll, we'll get him into some games and, and, uh, but that, that can evolve all year too. And, and Sam certainly looks like he can play games at this level. Yeah. And yeah, Earth needs to be in the, in the, Crease, you, you got to play. It's absolutely. It's the weird thing about goaltending is there's only one net. It's not like a forward position or a D, where multiple guys can get into the game. There's, there's only one net. Um, one of the things I was really disappointed with the Chuck in the opener was the response by the fan base to Ryan Ellis when he was introduced. Can you just explain what he's dealing with on a personal level? This is a guy. Like a lot of Philadelphia fans don't understand Ryan Ellis because they didn't see enough of him. But this is a guy that's been a competitor that's played well above his stature for his entire career. Can you just explain where he is kind of mentally and, and dealing with this crossroads of his career and the prospect of it maybe being over? Yeah, and I, I certainly understand the frustration on the part of the fans. They haven't been able to see him play. And, um, you know, but the, the ironic thing to me is he would be absolutely one of the top two or three fan favorites if, if he had been able Big to time. play. Uh, he's such a competitor and a very talented, skillful defenseman that can move the puck. But for an undersized guy, he he's physical. He blocks shots. He's he's a very good defender and uh, just a heart and soul player that, you know, has really embodied what the Nashville Predators were all about for all those years. Just a competitive, hard-nosed team. And, and uh, you know, he played really well the games he played for us. And it's just been really unfortunate. He's dealt with a lot obviously physically, but, but mentally as well. And the second half of last year is rehab. He's away from the team. He's not around and you're isolated and, you know, you don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. So he, he's, um, he's embraced it this year. He's at the rink every day. He's rehabbing. He's, he's 100% committed to trying to return to play. And there's going to be, um, you know, a long road ahead of him, but um, you know, he's committed and he, he wants to play and he wants to be a flyer. So I can, assure everybody that uh, this is a high character, wonderful person that's, you know, been dealt a, a tough blow from, from an injury standpoint, but there's no quit in him. And, and uh, I wouldn't put it past him to come back. Yeah. It, it's such a shame because he, you're right. He's a player that would embody what this fan base always looks for. Um, so best to him. I, I really hope it works out for him because I, I'd love to see him out there on the ice. I love that big beard too as a bearded guy. Um, last thing for you, Chuck. Um, you know, this season is a is a fact-finding mission in so many ways. And it's not just about young guys, is it? It's about guys. It, I always kind of break it down in three tiers. You know, you have your young guys on, you know, in their ELCs making their way to find out what they are at the NHL. You have guys in that middle road where they're in their prime, the 24 to 28 year olds. And then you got your guys, you know, the 29 to, to 30 plus, and you have different phases of a career. And it's about fact finding on all of those different elements of a roster, isn't it? It is. It is. And it's, uh, it's interesting. Every, every organization evolves. And, and when I got here, um, we had a lot of players that were really 23 and, and under, um, the Konechny's and Provorov's and Sandheim's and Carter Hart's and, and a lot of young players with promise that uh, had all this potential and all this upside. And then we had a lot of quality veteran players that were approaching 30, you know, whether that 
uh, Voracek and Simmons and Van Riemsdyk and Giroux and uh, a lot of talented players. What, what we didn't have is a lot of players kind of between 25 and 29, really in that core age and that prime age. You know, there was a Scotty Lawton, for example, but really not a lot of players in that age group. And now what you're seeing is all those kids that were young a few years ago are now moving into that middle group that we call and really the best teams in the league have a lot of good players in that middle group and, you know, a few older guys and a few younger guys, but the teams that are winning consistently have a bulk of players in that middle group. And the exciting thing for us, and it's hard for some people to see, I know because we're coming off a, a dismal season, but um, a lot of these guys are moving into that area where they, they can really impact this franchise. And, and uh, you know, so far so good. A few of them look like they're bouncing back from last year and, it's early and we'll see, but they've had good, good, strong camps. And, and I think we're, we're going to show people that we have a little bit more talent than maybe is, uh, what is presumed on a, uh, you know, certainly on a national basis. And, and uh, you know, I think we're going to surprise a few people. And the big thing is like the, the web series on YouTube that the team is putting out, the standard is, is something that is non-negotiable at this point, right? <laughs> I guarantee you that'll be non-negotiable. Uh, Torx is, uh, it doesn't matter who you are, but again, it's, uh, if he challenges you and confronts you, he's given you a path to, to get to the other side and, and he wants you to get to the other side. And uh, he's passionate, but he's also, you know, compassionate and, and he's great with young players. So we're, we're very excited. He's definitely the right coach at the right time for, for our franchise. And, and, uh, you know, we got, Hey, we got a lot of work to do last night's one game. It was a great yeah. night. Um, it's a long season. We've all, we all know that. And, and uh, we got a few challenges right now with a couple guys being out, but, but we just got to keep pushing and working. And, and at some point here, particularly if we get Couturier back, I think the lineup will, what could be, you know, potentially pretty strong. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you, you took my recommendation because after AV was let go last year, I immediately went to torts because I've been pining for him for years in Philadelphia. So thanks for taking my recommendation, Chuck. I appreciate it as always. And uh, thanks for taking the time today. Yeah. Your input pushed it over the top, Jason. Just so it you know. It always does. <laughs> well, thank you for your time. Thanks to Chuck Fletcher for taking the time to join us on this edition of Flyers Daily. Flyers and Canucks will be in action coming up today at the Wells Fargo Center. Four o'clock puck drop at Wells Fargo. Pick us up on the pregame show at 3.30 on the Flyers Broadcast Network, and we'll break it all down coming up tomorrow. Game two of the 22-23 season coming up today, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on a Sunday edition of Flyers Daily. Enjoy your hockey, everybody. Enjoy your hockey, everybody.